Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, it's the post-game pod from yet another Timberwolves win. They're now 7-0 at home as they blew out, really, the Philadelphia 76ers by 13 points on Thanksgiving Eve. We'll break down a solid, well-rounded offensive performance, how Nikhil Alexander-Walker did in place of Jaden McDaniels guarding Tyrese Maxey. And we'll talk about, again, a stifling Timberwolves defensive unit. It's all upcoming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving Day to those of you in the United States. And uh, it's a victory Thanksgiving Day after a big Wolves win over the Sixers on Thanksgiving Eve, Wednesday night. This is the postgame pod. We're going to talk all about what went right for the Wolves. Uh, and it was largely really only things that went right for the Wolves on Wednesday night. It was an impressive all-around performance against, albeit a Sixers team without Joel Embiid, but still the Wolves as much as the phrase gets overdone, did take care of business against the team they should have beaten on Wednesday night. We'll break down the offensive performance. We'll break down really a dominant defensive performance and some individual performances as well on the show here today. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X, that's at BBeacon and also at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, so of course the Sixers are without Joel Embiid on Wednesday night, second night of a back-to-back. It's actually the first game he's missed this season. And Sixers played an overtime game in Philly on Tuesday night, traveled in. So second night of a back-to-back, no Embiid. Four of their five starters, I guess three of the five, if you take out Embiid, played over 40 minutes on Tuesday night. So yes, the Wolves, I think it was a four and a half point spread. The Wolves were favored by on FanDuel. We talked about that on on Wednesday's show. Um, But still, this was, I mean, the Wolves were up 19 points in the first quarter in this game. And, and yeah, it was closer. It was like eight points at halftime. And got it was in single digits like midway through the third. And it was never really like out of reach until the final three or four minutes. But it was still a well-rounded professional performance. I mean, Tyrese Maxey's been phenomenal so far this season. Like really, really good. Um, I would say probably, I mean, I don't know, like top, what, 15 players in the entire NBA, if not top 10 or 12. He's been really good. The Wolves did a fantastic job on him. And I want to get into that a bit. This, I guess the point here off the top is, no Embiid. This is still a team that was 10-4 and four coming in, still had Tyrese Maxey, still is one of the league's better coaches in Nick Nurse, and a formidable opponent. And again, another example, and I've said this like six times in the last two and a half weeks or so, another game that last season, the Wolves kicked this thing away. They say, ah, oh, Embiid's not playing, we're going to win easy, and then they lose, right? At some point, it's going to become routine-ish, but at the moment, it's still very fresh. It's still very refreshing to see the Timberwolves win these games that they should win. And like, it's just, it's just night and day for people that watch this team closely the last couple of years or, or for all of their lives. Um, just it, I'm not used to it yet. So it, it bears repeating as long as that remains the case, 
we have to keep repeating it. The Wolves are beating the teams they're supposed to beat. You can only play who's on the schedule in front of you. And along the way, they've still beaten a full-strength Denver team. They've still beaten uh, a, a mostly full-strength Boston Celtics team. They've still beaten a Miami team sans Jimmy Butler. They've beaten the Sixers slat, sans Joel Embiid. Um, it's still been an impressive run for the Wolves. And so I don't want to take anything away from them. I just want to acknowledge up front the back-to-back, you know, the rest advantage and the, and the no Embiid. Uh, but getting into what the Wolves did really well, they were up 19 points in the first quarter. Second quarter, there were some issues, uh, second chance opportunities for the Sixers, but ultimately for the game, Philly had 17 offensive rebounds. Is that right? 17, I have that in my head. Yeah, 17 offensive rebounds. They only scored 18 points on those offensive rebounds. A lot like the game the other night. I actually think it was last time out um, against the Knicks, I believe it was, where the Wolves gave up a ton of offensive rebounds, but they didn't actually give up that many points at like actual second chance points. And that goes back to the the larger, um, I guess, thing to celebrate about this year's Wolves team is they've just been so good defensively that you give a team an extra possession and a lot of times you can survive it because the defense is that good. And you have to credit the Wolves in those specific opportunities for not allowing quick second chance opportunities on the offensive glass as in putbacks and also contesting well on the perimeter because a lot of times those offensive rebounds turn into quick putbacks at the rim or kickouts to open threes. Um, and the Wolves have done a good job the last couple of games. Yeah, they've given up a lot of offensive rebounds, but about a point per possession, and I actually think the Knicks were slightly under a point per possession in terms of those second chance possessions. The Sixers were 18 points on 17 second chance opportunities. You could deal with a point per possession on the second chance opportunities. In a perfect world, you limit them, right? Um, but if you can't, the next best thing is, is getting that second stop. As difficult as it is and as unideal as it is to have to do it, um, the Wolves have been really good at it. And 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 that's made a, a real impact, um, you know, so far in the la- at least in the last couple of games. So second quarter, some second chance opportunities a lot did allow the Sixers to kind of hang around and, and ultimately get back in. The bigger issue is the Wolves got into the penalty very quickly in the second quarter. The officials were a little whistle happy, but the Wolves did get a bit handsy and um, and it just like they were up ten with a couple of minutes or really like thirty seconds to play in the second quarter. They turn it over on one end on what could have been a foul call. Then they foul on the other end. So now it's an eight-point game. And, and really, it should have been a 10, 11, 12-point Wolves lead. It was eight-point lead at halftime because of that swing. There were a couple of those where the Wolves just got a bit handsy on defense, and it it, it hurt them. The offense stagnated. Anthony Edwards, though, was good enough in the second quarter that really it allowed the Wolves to maintain that what was ultimately an eight-point lead at halftime. Um, second quarter was easily the roughest quarter for the Wolves in this game. Um, again, fouling too much. Offensive rebounds for Philly and stagnant offense that really just kind of leaned on Anthony Edwards' greatness, frankly, um, to to kind of buoy them. And, and it worked to an extent, right? The Wolves were a minus nine for the quarter, but again, up eight at halftime. In the third quarter, the Wolves' offense just had more flow. The Sixers ultimately just didn't have enough firepower with no Joel Embiid to keep pace with the Wolves' offense that actually, for the most part in this game, Played fairly well. I'm going to throw up the stats here on YouTube. I'm going to I'm going to throw up the um, the overall stat line for the game. The Wolves shot over 48 percent from the field. They were 10 of 26 on three pointers. You'd love to see them attempt a few more. I've been saying that all year long. They only turned it over 11 times, um, and they were only a minus two on the glass. Like in general, the Wolves were fine offensively in this game. Uh, you know, 26. The volume's a little low on threes, but that it's over 38 percent. And when you hold your opponent to 22% from three, that, that'll that play, right? 
Um, and then from the line, the Wolves only got there 24 times, or I shouldn't say only. They got there 24 times, which was six less than the Sixers. They didn't shoot them at an extremely efficient clip. Uh, 16 to 24, that's 67%. Um, but they shot well enough from two and well enough from three to kind of paper that over. So, And again, only 11 turnovers, you can live with that. So a well-rounded offensive performance for the Wolves in this game. And, and um, I would say one of their better all around. And like Philly's a decent defensive team. I think they came in like 10th or 11th in defensive rating, maybe even a little bit better than that. Uh, really a top 10 defense. Uh, granted, no, no Embiid. But the Wolves were, were, this is one of their more complete offensive games, in my opinion. And I want to talk about just how well-rounded it was um, and how the offense was distributed. I also want to hone in on Nikhil Alexander-Walker and the fantastic job he did on Tyrese Maxey. Not only Naw either, but in general, the Wolves' team defense, how impressive it was in this game. And I know we've said that so much this season, but it really felt like sands the second quarter, and especially first quarter, third quarter, early fourth quarter, this defense was at a level that we've only seen it at a few times this year. I really believe that, even with no Jaden McDaniel. So I want to get into all that here next. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. Um, let's talk about let's talk about Nah first and and uh the job that Nikhil Alexander Walker did on Tyrese Maxey in this game. And then I want to get into a bit further um well, I guess along with that, the overall team defensive effort. So with no Jade McDaniels, the job of guarding Maxey, who was far and away the biggest offensive threat for the Sixers in this game. Um, fell to Alexander Walker. And he did an absolutely phenomenal job. And it wasn't only him, but Maxi had 16 and 8, 8 assists, but it took him 19 shots to get a 16 points, 7 of 19 shooting, 0 of 5 on three-point attempts, only attempted four free throws and turned it over three times, was a minus 18 for the game. And again, this is a player who's been one of the better players in the league, has easily been playing at an all-star level to this point. And Alexander Walker was in his jersey all night long. Um, along with that, the Wolves defense in general, rotations were really impressive in this game. Just, um, and I mean defensive rotations, not not like Finch's substitution patterns, but uh, defensive rotations. When guys were fighting through screens, first and foremost, so Mike Conley's great at that. Alexander Walker's good at it. Uh, stunting, switching when necessary and Finch doesn't like to switch but occasionally you have to just based on if you're cross matched etc depending on on how the possession unfolds um stunting like Mike Conley is an example of somebody who there was one possession or actually there a couple possessions really that stand out to me where Conley was stunting getting back and and in one in one case I'm thinking it was on the right side of the floor Ant recovers Conley gets back and is basically at the elbow stunts to the other side of the floor and helps deter a potential three-point shot um on the other side late in the game there was a possession that had featured both of these things where Conley stunted at a perimeter, potential perimeter shooter Cat Rudy ended up having to switch in the paint um and then Rudy Rudy comes out I think Basically, because of his presence, there isn't a shot attempt, deters that, comes back into the paint, and Cat shuts down. I think it was uh, DeAnthony Melton in the paint, just like straight stuffs him in the paint. Um, just a really, really impressive uh, 
wallop by Towns, really. But the possession as a whole, Conley, Cat, Rudy, all were very involved in stopping that possession and keeping the Sixers from even getting a shot up on the rim um, across the board. Conley was a huge part of it in this game, and, and his line doesn't stand out. He actually only played, what, 23 minutes in this game, period. But defensively, he was extremely active. We saw Alexander Walker being extremely active on the perimeter. Ant, I thought, was good defensively in this game. Off the bench, Kyle Anderson was active. Carlton Towns had active hands. He got credited with two steals. Um, I, I don't know. Like, there were two, three plays at least where Cat got a hand on a ball. There was one, I don't even know if it went down as a steal or what happened exactly, but it was like he deflected a pass from behind and like Michael Grady on the call didn't even realize it was deflected. He just thought the Sixers threw the ball away. But Cat essentially stuffed the pass and it rolled off the hands of Max or whoever it was. Like Cat was very impressive defensively in this game with his activity level. Um, and, and that example of that, or that possession I use as an example of Cat and Rudy together, that was impressive as well. Um just a, a strong defensive effort from Minnesota, holding yet another team under 40% shooting. To see the Wolves play the way they did against the Knicks and the Sixers back at home Monday and Wednesday of this week after a rough rough defensive end to the road trip against a Zionless Pelicans team, obviously the schedule loss in Phoenix last Wednesday. Um, to see the defense bounce back in the way that it has over the last two has been so great. Um, I, I, if I'm being honest, I had a little bit of concern that there was going to be some backsliding here, but to hold another opponent under hundred to hold another opponent under 40% shooting 22% from outside the arc for the Sixers in this game, credit to the Wolves perimeter defenders, you know, for that. And then also Rudy, another fantastic game. He is just, he's back to being nimble. He's back to being proactive defensively, 13 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks in this game for Rudy Gobert. And Altered so many shots in the paint, so many shots. And and if somebody, like, if you go back and watch all the Sixers attempts in the paint, I mean, how many times did Paul Reed have a shot, you know, within five feet of the basket and it just, like, was completely altered by De'Anthony Melton, uh, Tobias Harris. Each of those guys were just stymied by Rudy Gobert. And three blocks is a nice game, but he altered probably another seven or eight shots. And that's not an exaggeration. Cat had two blocks of his own, so Cat and Rudy combined for five blocks in this game. They each had 11 rebounds. Um, just a phenomenal all-around defensive performance. The offense for the Wolves, uh, and I want to be clear, like that was, that was, for me, the most impressive thing about this game was the activity level on defense, especially the first quarter was an absolute clinic. Go back and watch that first quarter, and it's a ton of fun, unless you're a Sixers fan. The Sixers scored 20 points in the first quarter. I don't have that shooting percentage in front of me, but like they hardly got a shot off is what it felt like because the Wolves defense was swarming. Nas came in the game, same thing, active hands, denying um, catches, tipping passes, getting hands on rebounds, tipping them out, like just across the board, impressive defensive performance from this Wolves team for sure. Offensively, a very well-rounded performance from the Wolves there as well. Um, Ant had 31. It was a very professional Anthony Edwards performance. And we'll talk more about it in studs and duds here, individual studs and duds. We'll do last segment. He had 31 and 22 shots. We'll take that every day of the week. Cat had 23. Those are your two leading scorers. Nobody else had more than 13, but you had 13 from Rudy off the bench. You had 13 from Nas Reed, who played very well. You had 12 from Shake Milton, who played a solid, solid game against his former team. Um, and that was really all you needed offensively for the Wolves. Um, Nothing that like jumps off the page offensively. Just good ball movement. 
in general, except for maybe the second quarter. Um, making open threes when they had the opportunity. Again, you'd like the volume to be a little bit higher. You'd like them to make a few more shots at the line. Um, the other thing would be fast break points. Minnesota won fast break points in this game 19-4. to At one point, it was, I think, 17 to nothing early in the fourth quarter. Fast break points, Wolves versus Sixers. Um, so I, that was actually one of my keys to the game. I don't still have, I thought I had the graphic in here. I don't. Um, one of my keys to the game on Wednesday's show was force the issue. Run in transition. Make the Sixers run the floor. Because the Wolves actually have been a very slow team pace-wise. Uh, if you look at all the pace statistics, the Wolves are slow this season. That should change because the Wolves have so many opportunities to run because they force so many opponent misses. Running off of misses is something the Wolves should be doing more of. The Sixers are also comfortable playing slow. And nobody on the team really wants to push the pace except for Maxi. So when given the opportunity, I wanted the Wolves to push the pace in this game, and they did that. They turned the Sixers over 14 times in this game. They also had 19 fast break points. Philly only had four fast break points in this game. The Wolves were a plus 14 in paint points. Um, good to see. Not you know, really not a surprise against the Embiidless Sixers team. I mean, Batum, Harris, Marcus Morris, and um I guess Rocco, I like I mean, those are their bigs, right? So of course the Wolves should have dominated in the paint, and they did. So it was uh it was a good game from that in that regard as well. Um so yeah, I mean my key takeaway is number one, it's the defense. It's 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 the the swarming the Wolves did, especially in the first quarter, the job Alexander Walker did on Maxi, the stunting switching of Conley and other perimeter defenders, and also Rudy and Kat just working their tails off in the paint once again for the Wolves. Um secondarily, it would be the well-rounded offensive attack um, and and the job that the Wolves did to kind of spread the wealth offensively and be opportunistic when given, you know, chances to score. And then also related to that transition offense, getting some easy buckets that way to help kind of build that initial lead that they never really relinquished. Yes, it was single digits early in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, that lead was built. Uh, it transition, transition offense had a huge hand in that. It also points to the paint. Um, and, and again, yes, no Embiid, yes, no Embiid, I get that, but still only being a minus two on the glass against Philly was, was also a big thing. It, it was a big, um, a big part of this thing for the Wolves. All right, let's close the show here with individual studs and duds. We'll take a peek up uh, to see what's up next here as well for the Wolves. We'll do all of that here next. All right, let's close this thing out by talking individual studs and duds. Pretty easy one today uh, to, to, to parse here. Number one, Anthony Edwards, 31 points, 50% from the floor, 11 of 22, greater than 50% outside the arc, five of nine on threes, only got to the line four times, made all four of his free throw attempts, had a couple of and ones, I believe, of those four. I think he had one foul where he got to shoot two free throws and then two separate trips on and ones. So he was, uh, what? Quick math, 6 of 13. Am I doing that math right? Yeah, 6 of 13 on two-point attempts in this game. Um, I thought the shot balance was okay. I actually didn't feel like he shot too many mid-range jumpers in this game. He had six assists, six rebounds, like 31-6-6 six six plus two steals, only two turnovers. This was the best game Ants played, I would say, in like a week, right? Um, I'm trying to think back to the Golden State games maybe the first Golden State game, but the last couple of games have been just kind of pedestrian-type games, especially given how well he played the first couple weeks of the season. 
This was a really strong Anthony Edwards game. Again, 31, 6, and 6, two steals, 50% from the floor, 5 of 9 on threes, 4 of 4 at the line, a plus 19, the second best mark on the Wolves. My second stud has to be Carl Anthony Towns, who was actually a relatively quiet 2010 game for Cat. And he doesn't get all that many 2010 games anymore, um, not as many as he did, you know, pre Rudy, pre Ant. 23 points, 11 rebounds for Cat, three assists, two steals, two blocks. He stuffed the stat sheet. A plus 18 on the night, 9 of 19 shooting from the field, 1 of 2 outside the arc. Again, the volume of three-point attempts is still too low for Carl Anthony Towns. In fact, I don't believe he attempted a three-point shot until the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, was 1 of 2 from outside the arc, 4 of 5 at the line. Just a a balanced performance. We already, already gave him some flowers for his defense. Was super good on that side of the floor again as well. And we talked about this a little on Wednesday's show. Uh, if this keeps up, people are going to have to... That narrative about Cat and his defense is going to have to change. I, I get we're only 14 in, but at some point, like, I mean, he's he's working his tail off defensively, and he was legitimately good. Once again, not just like, oh, he didn't hurt them. He was good defensively. Really, really good in this game. Um, third stud's a little bit more difficult. I mean, I could go Rudy. You could go Alexander Walker. You could go Nas Reed. I actually think I'm gonna. I actually think I'm gonna go Nas Reed. Um, and, and you could argue for Rudy. You could argue for Alexander Walker. Certainly, Nas Reed though, especially in the first quarter, helped build this massive what was a 19 point lead. I think actually reached 21 at one point, maybe early, early second quarter. Um, but Nas was a big part of building that. He came in and was ready to go. 13 points, four rebounds, six of 13 shooting. Nas never met a shot he didn't like. He was somehow still third on the team in field goal attempts despite playing just 22 minutes. Uh, one of four outside the arc. I think he hit his first three-point attempt. Um, three steals and a block. I mentioned earlier, he had active hands. The second he got into the game, was very active defensively and on the glass. And was a big part of building the initial lead was quieter later in the game. But again, building the lead is the most important piece of the whole thing, right? I mentioned Rudy's line earlier, 13, 11, three assists and three blocks. The three assists for Rudy is a nice number. Six of eight shooting only attempted two free throws in this game was one of two at the line. So a, a solid Rudy game. We talked about his defense. We talked about Alexander Walker as well. Seven points, six rebounds, four assists and a block for Na in 29 minutes, three of six from the field. Um, Shake Melton, a good game against his former team, 12 points in 21 minutes on seven shots, finally knocked down a three pointer. It feels like it's been weeks. It may literally have been weeks since he knocked down a three, got to the line three separate times. It was five, five of six on free throws, zero rebounds though for, for Shake in 21 minutes, which isn't ideal, but, um, a good game. Troy Brown Jr. Did see a few rotation minutes in the first half. And I think it was like, if I remember right, end of second quarter and end of, Nope, sorry. End of first quarter, end of third quarter, maybe. And then some garbage time moments. So limited Troy Brown minutes. He did have one nice contested offensive rebound. That was really the only thing he did. Uh, but I think we'll see a few of those kind of fringe rotation minutes. Uh, Finch really used eight guys primarily. And then, you know, uh, Shake played 21 minutes, Nas 22, Kyle Anderson 28. The only other guy that played rotation minutes was Troy Brown, played essentially five rotation minutes before the final two minutes that were garbage time. So it was like an eight-man rotation plus five minutes for Brown. We'll see if that changes here moving forward. I think it's going to be a little opponent-dependent, um, but uh, it'll be interesting to watch uh, how much Finch gives 
Brown in terms of uh, in terms of how much uh, how much playing time he actually gets. Um, I don't have any duds for this game. Like nobody played poorly. Like Conley only played twenty three minutes. He had eight assists and one turnover. We talked about how good he was defensively. Obviously, he's not a dud. Talked about how Shake played well, Nas played well, Kyle Anderson was good. Like to a man, this Timberwolves team played well in this game. Like I could have argued for basically all eight guys that played heavy rotation minutes to be studs in this game. And it was just a professional, I think well-rounded and professional is how I would describe this game. A 13-point win over a a very good Sixers team, a well-coached Sixers team, a relatively deep Sixers team, sands their best player in Joel Embiid, but still with another all-star in Tyrese Maxey. Good to see the Wolves pull out this win in relatively easy fashion. And now, uh, big game Friday night, Sacramento comes to town. It's a play-in Sorry, I keep calling it play-in. I just have tournament and play-in association in my head. An in-season tournament game, the Wolves that would actually clinch a berth in the semifinals, sorry, quarterfinals, if they win on if they win on Friday night against Sacramento. It's the first home game that the Wolves have in the in-season tournament. So that'll be fun to see that court in action. Um, and that's a 7 p.m. tip Friday night at home against the Sacramento Kings. Saturday off. Travel to Memphis to take on the currently woeful Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, no jaw, no Steven Adams. It's a, it's a um, banged up and shorthanded Grizzlies team. That's a 5 p.m. Central tip at Memphis Sunday. So Friday night against Sacramento is the big one. At Memphis is, of course, the potential kind of trap game between Sacramento and then back home for Oklahoma City on Tuesday. So the one-game road trip to play a bad team on the road on a you know Sunday, 5 p.m. Central, bit of an early evening, late matinee type game. That could be a trap game. We'll talk more about that later in the week. Uh, well, I guess Friday. Um, but first up, though, the Kings Friday night. We'll, we'll uh, preview that matchup on Friday's show. We'll talk about what to look forward to against Sacramento. Talk a little about the Memphis and Oklahoma City matchups. Those are upcoming. That'll be Friday's show. There will be a live postcast again. If you did miss the live postcast, it's actually the audio. If you're listening on audio feed right now, it's the episode before this one that you're listening to now is the live postcast that Luke Inman did with Tyler Metcalf of Canis Hoopus. That video is on YouTube live after every game over at Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube. Um, they'll do it again Friday night. Uh, I believe same people. I think it's Luke. I think it's Tyler. So go check that out live after the game on Friday, Black Friday. And then that audio will be in the feed late Friday night, early Saturday. I'll do a post-game pod on Monday from the Memphis game. So we won't have a dedicated post-game pod from the Kings game Friday, but you will have the live postcast. We'll do a show Monday that'll recap Sunday's game against Memphis. We'll also talk about anything significant from Friday against the Kings. Um, and of course, live postcasts after every game on Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Uh, of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to shows. You can listen to Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon. With two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.